Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In a small Manitoba hospital, a car crash victim survives a catastrophic accident. His bizarre anatomy defies nature and puzzles scientists. Join Leah Greenhog, an M-Epic agent played by Becca, and Adam as the handler as troubling discoveries are made in search of answers. Love the Skin You're In is an M-Epic Delta Green scenario written by Melonbread. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with our releases. There you will also find a link to our Discord chat. We would love to see you there. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. So you pull into the parking lot of this hospital, and you see that there's, it's like quite full in the parking lot. You do see that there's quite a lot of police SUVs, quite a lot of police cruisers as well. Todd told you to expect that when you had talked to him. He had mentioned that Abraham is under police lockdown right now. So like my first thought with that is like maybe one as a way to keep him from checking out of the hospital, but maybe they were able to use some of his like past discretions to kind of keep him in lockdown at the hospital. When you had talked to Todd, he didn't, uh, it was a very brief call. He didn't want to say too much on the phone. And he said he had something important to, to mention to you when you, when you guys talked in person, you know, you're anticipating seeing him and hearing what he has to say. Also, you're not really sure what he looks like. You got the impression from his voice that he's like a younger man, probably like a little bit younger than you, maybe in his twenties. Okay. Uh, I I would assume that we came up with like a, a meeting spot of some sort. When you get there in the morning, head to the cafeteria and I'll find you sit by yourself and I'll find you. I'll come sit with you. That's what he told you when you guys talked. And then he kind of hung up right away. Perfect. So she'll she'll get out of her Jeep and like with her hips kind of like close the door. She's got the both the coffees in her hand and, you know, her typical satchel that she keeps with her. Not so much her purse that she had earlier. That's more for casual stuff. This is like this has her like work laptop and all that all that stuff. She's ready to really get into this. And she makes her way just kind of casually noting the police officer cars, but not gawking because that would definitely bring a lot of attention. And she'll just head in through. I'm, I'm assuming that they have like double the automatic doors that just kind of open and then, you know, the two sets and she'll make her way in and look for the nearest map so that she can figure out where the cafeteria is real quick. Yeah, so you leave your car and you walk straight into those sliding doors with a sense of purpose. And the moment you enter the hospital, you see that there's this big giant directory right in the middle. And it's pretty empty inside there. You see the receptionist. She she looks at you and she is about to ask you if you need any help or anything. But she gets this vibe from you that you don't need any help. You are very much, in fact, all set and know where you're going and don't need a, a person to give you the direction. So you you just yeah. like look at this thing briefly and you know where to go. I give her like a little like just hand gesture and a sweet smile and then continue on my way. And uh, you see, it's kind of, she's like a older, older, heavy set woman. She has almost like white blonde hair that's done in a very tight, like updo style and she's wearing like these looney tunes scrubs 
and she has a very playful mug and she looks like a nice lady and she gives you a smile and uh, you you kind of just continue walking on your way to the dining hall. Real quick, not that you need to come up with a name for her, but I would like see what it is real quick just as a note for my memory. Pam. Of course. I love it. So you make your way down the narrow corridors of the first floor of this hospital and you can see that it's very clean and sterile looking there's this very bright white almost yellowish light that hangs down above you and it just kind of makes your head hurt a little bit combined with the fact of how tired you you are from the long drive and the very brief period of sleep but you find the dining hall relatively easily you see it's basically empty for the most part. You see some small groups of people eating, probably relatives of other people, you know, just stepping out to get a snack. A lot of them are doctors, nurses, orderlies, etc., getting, you know, breakfast or whatever as well. And there's plenty of places for you to just sit and be by yourself. Which is exactly what she does. Leia will take a seat out like a big round table just because then there's going to be there and kind of with a heavy plop, put her bag down in the two coffees and she'll pull out her phone and just kind of mindlessly look at it just to give her something enough to focus on to stay awake while she waits for Todd to come find her. You see, uh, as you kind of people watch, like, you know, as you occasionally look up from your phone to sort of people watch and gauge your surroundings, You see this one man, he looks like he's probably in his early 20s. He goes up and he gets himself a coffee very quickly. He looks to be almost rushed. He has uh, dark hair. He's a little bit pudgy. He's not like overweight, but you can see he kind of has like some some extra flab like around around his neck a little bit. And he has a little bit bad skin and a little bit of a, of a stubble goatee, very disheveled look. And he kind of walks by and he, he sits uh, directly across from you. And he's just, uh, he's just staring into the styrofoam coffee cup. He takes the lid off of it and begins blowing into it to try to cool it down. Leia? Todd. And with that, she'll like pick up the second coffee cup that's, you know, like at least 16 or 20 ounces. And she'll kind of like halfway across the table, just set it down for him specifically and say, you might want something a little bit more robust. And he looks at it and he smiles and he reaches his hand out to shake your hand. She takes it with a relatively soft grip. And you can see beyond his disheveled nature, beyond his kind of almost like slacker appearance, you see this true honest respect for somebody else that's in the group kind of as he shakes your hand, you know? So like he, it's almost like He's offering you like this professional courtesy, you know, like he just like the look that he gives you. It's very earnest. Very cool. It's very nice to meet you, Todd. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. So there's some weird stuff going on here. Uh, I don't even think Ed knew the whole gist of it. This guy, Abraham, that we got on the third floor right now, the one that has all the police outside of his room. Uh huh. Yeah. So the reason they're there, they don't think that this guy is who he says he is. His his ID, it's just not, his 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 story, his ID, his identity is just not matching up. Interesting. 
as she kind of like trails off and waits for him to say more. He looks around to see if anybody could be listening. So Ed told you about his priors, right? I'm aware of some of his activity, uh, mostly pertaining to illegal substances. So this guy that they have in there, I guess when when all the info came back, when they when they ran the when they ran his records and stuff, the guy they arrested on those priors, that's not the guy they have in there. That's not the guy who's been in the system this whole time. And they don't know what to make of it. I don't think anybody knows what to make of it. That's why that's basically the only reason why he hasn't been able to just up and leave. Oh, so wait, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's he looks like this Abraham, but whatever makes us who we are is different than Abraham. Is that what you're suggesting? He doesn't look like him. He when they pulled this guy's records, Mm -hmm. that's not the guy we have in that room up there. I don't know who the hell that guy is. I mean, he claims to be Abraham, but how could that be? Look, I got a, I got a picture to show you. And you see he rifles through his bag and he, he takes out a newspaper clipping that shows one of Abraham DeGroote's DUI arrests. And you see this man, very uh, kind of disheveled looking uh, man, bald on the top with like a crown of hair on the sides and back, stubble cuts on his face. Very typical, you know, a mugshot that you would see. Just like a very beat up, worn out looking man. And just Todd has this look of fear in his face. And he says, that's not who's upstairs. And they can't figure it out. Now that coupled with all the weird stuff that Ed already talked to you about, the stuff he told you about the two hearts, that's, they didn't tell that to the news. That's, I mean, even the doctors know you can't just, you can't just spill stuff like that. I mean, I really don't know. Look, I can tell you what floor he's on. I don't know how you're going to get in there. All police up there. Oh, getting in shouldn't be too difficult. Given how weird the situation is, a psychologist might be exactly who they need right now. And with that, she's like, we'll actually pick up the newspaper clipping. Uh, Is it like a full article or is it just a picture of Abraham? It's just the picture. You can see the headline and you can see like a small part of the article where... Todd has clearly torn it out kind of carelessly to hastily get the picture. Okay. And it's from like a local news newspaper. It's, you know, it's it's not like a a bigger newspaper or whatever. It's probably just like a small Manitoba town paper or whatever, you know, town crowd. Right, right, right. As I'm looking at it, kind of like taking to heart the details of Abraham, trying to kind of imagine... You know, what was he like at that point in his time in the back of her mind? So, Todd, have you ever met Abraham before this? No, definitely not. And I basically have never talked to anybody that's part of that, you know, that whole thing, that whole religious thing, Mennonite thing or whatever it is. I mean, I've seen them in town, but, you know, they do their own thing. They're very separate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has any of his family been in to see him? Not as of yet. I mean, I know he's kind of the black sheep, but I mean, I don't even think they have phones. They definitely wouldn't see it on the news. I mean, maybe some, I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. You know, they're all out there like living without electricity or something. I don't know. I mean, they probably have electricity, I think, but, and you see Todd, he kind of just goes off on this. He's kind of rambling about what Mennonites may or may not do. 
or have or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Leia is just letting him kind of talk and just kind of getting a good sense of who Todd is as a person. Can you give me a human to roll? Yeah, so I can totally do that for you. And a lot of what she's looking for is, you know, with the friendly, we're always trying to see, hey, who else can we kind of bring into the fold a little bit? And seeing, getting ready to make her own recommendations, should that ever come into place. So I'll go ahead and make that roll. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, you never know. Everybody kind of who's in the group starts off as a as a friendly, I guess. Or most people. So yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, actually. I like that. Oh, so close to critical success. I got 32 out of 60. Oh, dang. That's pretty excellent, though. Okay, so yeah, looking at Todd, you see his eyes are bloodshot red. He does seem a little bit incoherent. You're able to smell scent of marijuana on him. He kind of seems like a little bit of a paranoid guy, a little bit jumpy is basically the, the vibe you get from him. He seems scared from all of this, but maybe excited too. Like it gives him a weird thrill, the type of thrill a UFO enthusiast gets when they think about aliens or whatever. (laughs) It seems crazy, but he's kind of enjoying it or something. Oh, absolutely. And like, I could see that being the sort of mindset that an agent like this needs to have, but you know, maybe he's just not quite ready to jump into it. But so, so she's just, as he's talking, she's in, She's looking at him. She's formulating those kinds of thoughts. Like, well, maybe in the future, we should keep our eye on him, depending on his skill set. Uh, but after a while, and I, I think that's basically all the questions I have for him at the moment, and letting him just kind of talk things out, she'll she'll put the newspaper picture and kind of slide it back to him. Go, thank you so much, Todd. Uh, where's your office, just in case I need to get in touch with you again? office that's pretty funny yeah i don't have an office around here but i'm i work nine ten hour shifts and i'm usually making my rounds all over the place so if you need me just look and i'm sure you'll find me doubt about this and if if you find any more information just let me know and she flashes him a nice sweet smile and he just kind of taps on the table twice like you know he just kind of like anxiously just like gives it a Gives it a good tap and he just like gets up and just walks away, kind of acting like he was never talking to you at all. Very, very discreet. So Todd told you that they're currently holding Abraham on the fourth floor of the hospital and his room is being somewhat heavily monitored. There's still like obviously other patients and and stuff being treated in this, this wing of the hospital, so... It's not like a person of uh, high importance is like being there and like this whole wing is evacuated or something like that. It's just making activities on that floor a little bit more difficult. So do you um, do you go up to the fourth floor and just try to scope it out or? Oh, yeah, she'll Leia will go up to begin with just to kind of get a good sense of the surroundings, kind of familiarize herself not necessarily approach right away to the police officer detail that is outside Abraham's room, quote unquote, and just kind of see which one's in charge, you know, g- gain a, a quick little bit of information about them so that she knows the best way that she can interact with them. So when you get up to the fourth floor, you are, uh, you're buzzed into the 
this main wing on this floor of the hospital. And you can see there's just this long stretch of halls and there's rooms on both sides of the hall, as well as like this check-in desk that kind of, it kind of goes around a little bit. So like it, it's, it uh, stretches through, it's kind of like the room is in a U shape. So there's, there's a hallway on each side and there's rooms on like each wall of this like hallway. And then at the very front of that is this reception desk that kind of like wraps around the beginning of that. And so when you are buzzed into the room, you're immediately eyed by the receptionist who looks to be pretty busy. She doesn't seem too concerned that you're in this wing of the hospital. And she doesn't even ask you what your business is, really. She just kind of looks up at you for a moment and goes back to her paperwork. Staring out at the end of the hallway, you can see this very last room, very last hospital room, right by the staircase almost. There's like another set of stairs that goes down. We'll say that like you took the elevator up and that's like the elevator leads to this front part where like the reception is. And then there's like this emergency staircase on the back. Not like a staircase you can just use freely all the time. It's it's probably like the like the fire staircase or whatever. Like the alarm would probably open if you if you push that door open. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But you see like that's kind of where you you see a room there and you see that there's a cop standing outside of there. And he's sitting in a chair. He doesn't look like he's paying too much attention. And as you're watching, you see another cop kind of walk over hand him a coffee and they get up and exchange words and then they change positions. The cop who handed the coffee sits down in the chair and the other cop gets up and stretches and uh, walks, begins walking towards you, towards the exit of this wing. And eventually he gets, you know, he gets to the entrance where you've just entered through and he walks right by you without even looking at you and exits. It's that awkward, like, Eye, eye contact, kind of like a soft nod just because, you know, hey, police officer, kind of having that respect. But after he he passes me, I will actually just go ahead. I, I was honestly expecting more given that there was a couple of cruisers outside. So there's probably more people stationed, but maybe they're only having the one person outside the door. So, you know, just going in, truthful approach that I'm with the CSIS and seeing what information she can get from that. So she still has her copy in her hand and a hand on her satchel that she keeps all of her stuff with her. And she heads straight for this police officer. So you walk straight down the hallway. You can hear your heels clicking against this cold hospital linoleum floor. And the sound it makes is very, you get like this sense of determination. You're hearing like these kind of like this, this you're, you hear the stride as you make your way to the police officer with this sense of purpose and determination. And you just approach him with this sense of confidence. And he looks at you, not alarmed, but you see like one of his eyebrows raise a little bit as you come closer to him. Can I help you? He's a he's an RCMP officer. He's a, a black guy, probably maybe in his late 40s or early 50s. His hair is like a little bit grayed on top. He's wearing like a police uniform. 
He's uh, clean shaven. He's actually quite tall, a little bit slender. Yes, I'm Leia Greenhall with CSIS, and I'm here to find out more about my patient. Are you with his lawyer or something? I, I, he begins looking at his phone. My boss didn't tell me anything about this. We're currently trying to keep this on the discreet side, given the unique situation of all of this. I'm here to perform a psych evaluation for him. Good. Maybe you can get something out of him because we're not getting anywhere. Do you know who this guy is? I mean, you're, they obviously sent you in, so you must know more than us. Because, well, look, I'm going to be honest with you. We're not getting anywhere. Been talking to this guy for two days now. And I mean, he's trying to get himself out of here. We're lucky he's part of this weirdo group that doesn't use phones or whatever. Cause you know, he's, we can't, we can't legally keep him for too long. All, all we, all we're holding him on is the, is the drunk driving and the, you know, the lying about the identity, you know, we, we don't really have a lot. Okay. Well, I'm needing to be discreet at the moment, but once I perform my evaluation, I will make sure to help get this as sorted as possible. Tell me, what exactly do you know of the situation? I know you just told me a little bit of information, but from from the beginning, I want to make sure my notes are correct on this. Can you give me a persuade roll? So that's a critical fail. Dang it. Look, anything I know, you probably already know. And if you don't, I'm probably not supposed to tell you. And I'm sure you understand. Look, I can leave if you want to talk to him or I can wait right outside here. But you're going to you're going to help help me, right? That is the goal. Kind of realizing that she she overstepped clearly from his perspective, so she's just trying to play nice and she'll just nod. For the moment, given the situation, I'm going to need privacy, but please do remain nearby in case he ends up being violent. All right, I'll be outside. And with that, she'll go into this room and close the door. You see when you enter the room, it's a single person, single patient hospital room. And you see this man sitting up in bed. He's completely bald, shaven head, looks much thinner than the man in the, in the photograph. He's got a big scar along his face that crosses from his eyebrow across his nose all the way down to like the side of his face almost like near where his mouth is. It's like a big long cut. His his head is like shiny bald, like shaved completely. His skin looks pretty clear. He looks not muscular, but he looks like like strong. He kind of seems like he's like a very sturdy guy. And he looks up at you. Who are you? Am I getting out of here? Did my lawyer send you? My name's Leia and I'm here to help your case. And with that, she'll kind of pull up, you know, how these rooms have a chair with the heavy handles and just kind of like basic sitting. She'll kind of drag that and put herself between this person who's laying in bed. Is he shackled down at all? He's not actually. He's sitting upright in the, in the bed, his legs completely, you know, like he, he set the hospital bed to be position to where the the back part is completely up so it's sitting him up almost like a beach like a uh, pool chair or something you know so like his legs are completely extended out and the back part is like having him sit up and he has this tray in front of him with some untouched food looks like a small carton of orange juice he's wearing that blue and green kind of hospital 
onesie type thing that they that they make you wear. And he has a scared look in his face. His eyes seem really wide. He seems like a trapped animal almost. Okay, so as as she's reading this, she I think I said I who I was, but not who I was with. Um, so she's actually going to change tactics real quick, seeing that he's kind of scared of the situation, and he just asked if I'm with his lawyer. So I'm Leia. I'm a psychologist, and yes, I am working with your lawyer. You heard from the family? Am I in trouble? I haven't personally had any contact with them yet. I'm here for you. You are my main concern right now. How are you? How are they treating you? He looks at you almost puzzled. And can you roll a persuasion roll? When you said you are my main concern, his expression just kind of changes into almost complete bewilderment. He looks kind of more nervous. Which is totally fine that he would react that way, but that's not how she's meaning that. She's like actually putting her psychologist hat on and is like, I'm here to care about your needs is is how she meant it. But if they're like, that's interesting. That's very interesting. And to explore that more, I don't I don't mean to bombard you with roles, but can you give me a psychotherapy role? Sure. So the first I you had me roll persuade, correct? So that yes. was a four out of sixty. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. And then the next role is the psychotherapy? Yes. That one is 47 out of 50. Wow, Botch is liking me today. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so from those two roles, basically you get the sense that when you tell him that your that you're like main concern is him, he gets this weird fear, almost like he just stopped believing you at that very moment. And you get this vibe that when he asked about the family, it was out of fear. Like in your experience... You know, the, the tone that he used, the way he approached it, the look on his face. It's the way that people talk about the relatives they're afraid of or something like that. You know, it's like he wasn't asking out of a sense of, oh, did you hear from the family? It's more like, did you hear from the family? Like in a bad way. So it's clear to me that he's afraid of them. Yes. Okay. And from your psychotherapy role, even in this brief few moments of talking to him, you're picking up on a few weird tics that he has. His movements, his speech pattern when he talks, it's just kind of weird. He keeps rubbing his skin. He keeps cringing. Your professional opinion is that he has some type of dysmorphia, maybe. People with uh, body dysmorphia and maybe similar, similar conditions You've seen, you've known them to act in this fashion and he'll keep kind of like scratching and rubbing himself and twitching. And it seems almost violent at times. He'll kind of just have like a very spastic motion. You get this feeling that he's just very uncomfortable in his skin. You've seen this as like a mental condition that, that people suffer. I mean, I'm sure that there's physical reasons that this could happen as well, but you've seen like, you know, maybe you've seen this in people that you've talked to over the years in your, you know, clinical experience with being a psychotherapist or a psychologist or whatever. So given that what he's been through, a very traumatic event, apparently he has weird body stuff going on. The the dysmorphia doesn't feel like it's out of whack with what I know about him so far. 
So gleaning all that information in like the span of two to three seconds, Abraham, you, as far as I know, your family hasn't been contacted yet. You're clearly afraid of them. What's, what's going on? You see, he grows very uncomfortable when you say that. Can I just get out of here? Look, can I just get out of here? I'm here because I want to help you, but I need to know more information. What you say with me is going to stay between the two of us, and I'm going to do everything that I can to help you get out of here. There's nothing to know. I crashed my car, and I'm okay now, and I want to leave. Looks at him, maintaining eye contact, just that she clearly knows that there's more going on, but she's waiting for him to fill that silence. Who sent you? Are, you? are you a cop or something? Are you with the police? Look, if you're charging me for drunk driving, I, I know you can't keep me here forever. And I want to leave. And I want my lawyer. I haven't been able to leave this room. I, I can't even make a call. This can't be legal. You see, he's like sweating. And he keeps scratching and twitching, touching his face, touching his skin, just wincing and cringing. And the more distressed he gets, the worse these types of reactions seem to be. And even his speech, the way that he talks is not the way that you would have expected him to talk coming from like this Mennonite background. He just talks like you're just standard Canadian, I guess. Like he doesn't really, um, he doesn't really present that kind of part about himself. I want to leave. I don't want any treatment. Look, I thank the doctors for helping me for saving me, but it is against my beliefs to go on with this and I need to leave now. I'm being held against my will. This is illegal. This is unfair. I demand to talk to my lawyer. And you see him, he's just kind of, his voice doesn't sound right. It sounds slurred, like he can't move his mouth all the way or something. Okay. So, and he's just, he's clearly starting to, the more upset he gets, the more that he's falling into this very interesting pattern of talk and she's just kind of nodding along abraham i i see that you are very upset and distressed by this just i'm gonna pay for the care that was given to me and i demand to leave now looking through the window you can see this cop outside of the door there's like these small little windows in the center of the of the door near the top and you can see the back of his head You can see like his hair and the back collar of his jacket as he kind of stands with his back towards the door. And you get the sense that he either can't hear or he's just not listening or doesn't care. Okay. I understand completely that you're upset right now being held against your will and that you very much want to leave right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm your best chance at that. And she's just trying to put as much reassurance into this as possible trying to portray that you trust me clearly I know that there's something more going on but like he needs to be willing to share that with me and that's what she's I'm trying to convey to him at the moment that I'm his best chance to get out you see um you start to hear like this discussion coming from outside of the room and you see Todd is out there talking to the cop outside he's peeking in and you can see he sees you And he's like, he's trying to flag you. He's trying to get your attention. And he's like, no, look, I 
I just need to go in there to empty the trash, okay? And the cop is like, no, you're not going anywhere near this room. Go, keep walking. And you can see he's trying to like flag you, get your attention. And if you catch a glimpse of him, you'll see him eye you and kind of motion towards you. And he keeps walking. He's pushing the, the trash can away into the next room. And he just goes on. And the, the cop doesn't really seem to pay too much mind to the intrusion. He just kind of was very direct, like, no, you're not going in here and sent him on his way. He didn't notice like him trying to flag you or make like signal to you or anything like that. So, but Todd just keeps walking. Okay. That does cause me some concern just because that wasn't anything that we discussed. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, on the one hand, here's somebody that I, you know, here's a friendly trying to get my attention. I should probably go, but at the same time, I'm in this middle of this conversation. I feel like I might be able to get somewhere with Abraham. So I'm going to pursue that a little bit longer to see if I can get him to open up a little bit about his situation. I'm dead either way. You don't understand. When my family finds out about this, they're going to kill me. And that right there, like she was almost like partially out of her seat after seeing Todd, but then she like firmly plants herself back in and like leans forward. Abraham, that's, that's big. That's something that I can help you with. What's going on? Oh, I, I just meant like, like, you know, like how parents are. You see, is that really, can you give me a human? Yeah. Plus 20. So like add, add 20 to your skill and then try to roll under that. I got 25 out of 60. So you can clearly see that this is an attempt to backslide what he just said. He feels like he just slipped up and let out too much. And now he's trying to say, oh, like I I just meant like figuratively, they're, you know, like parents, like, oh, they're going to kill me, you know? But you can tell that his original meaning was they're going to kill me, as in like what, what he said. I'm actually going to take him at that first meeting like ignoring the fact that he even black uh, tried to walk it back. Abraham, if you are concerned for your well-being from your family, that is something that I need to be aware of. The more that I know about your situation, the better I can help you with this. And it's it's okay. There's lots of people that go through these kinds of things. And it's scary. I know how hard it is to open up to somebody that, albeit you don't really know me, but I am here to help. And I do want to see you out of this hospital safely, but I can't do that. And I can't make any good recommendations if I don't know what's going on. I already said too much. That's it. I'm not talking. And you see him, he kind of crosses his arms and just turns away. He actually begins laying down in the bed and just turns his back towards you. Right. She will sit there for another moment longer, just kind of contemplating that seeing maybe if he'd open up but realizing that the conversation's done and without saying much more she'll pick up her bag and start to leave the room but before she like opens the door i'm going to give my number to the police officer out here if you would like if you change your mind get in touch with me and she'll open up and leave the room so you leave the room and the cop just kind of looks at you as you're as you're leaving and he's just like so did you get anywhere with him i hesitate obviously because it's that don't want to tell too much 
without, but she'll kind of, I'll just kind of shrug probably about the same place as you guys have gotten. Look, I told him if that he wants to open up to me more, I'd give you my information and he can get a hold of me that way. And she'll like pull out a card with her business information on it and hand it to the cop. I'll be in town for the next couple of days. If don't hesitate to call if he wants to talk some more. All right. Uh, Thanks for trying. And you just see the cop just sits back down in the chair and just kind of kicks his feet up and continues sipping on the coffee. Now, when I first came up here, you said that this was kind of like a U-shaped place. Did Todd kind of go not down the hallway that I walked down, but like the other direction? Or I guess I should just ask where he went. You can see him. Like when you leave, if you stand in the hallway for just a moment, you see him leaving one of the rooms on the other end of the hall, dumping out their little trash bin into the large wheeled trash bin that he's kind of taking from room to room. And he doesn't look at you, but he just kind of lingers for a second and then wheels the cart off down the hall into the into like the elevator section to go to a different wing. Okay. Then I if I'm understanding this correctly, like I will have that notice and then I will also make my way to the elevator. So I imagine that we're kind of like going down the parallel hallways and we'll eventually hook up in the, let me rephrase that. We'll eventually meet up in the elevator. So yeah, you both kind of like find yourselves in the elevator at the same time and you're both careful enough in your trade craft to just not pay any attention or notice each other until the elevator doors have actually shut. Then like in the back of my mind, I'm just assuming that like all places have cameras in their elevators. So just trying to make it seem like she's making small talk, but you know what she's really saying. So what was that about? Just a hunch I had. Ed just gave me a call and we were kind of running by ideas and he thought of something. I think maybe you should try to go with it if you can. She'll, I'll actually like pull up my phone real quick to see if Ed contacted me because that seems like the more appropriate thing that he would have done. You notice you have no bars in this hospital, so you're not really sure if he, if he would have or not. But also, you're kind of aware that he kind of like uh, respects the like operational security to the point where like he's not going to call your phone and have it ring while you're directly dealing with something because like he's never you're never sure the type of situation that somebody might be in you know and sometimes maybe it is easier to just work around them to get to you know gotcha yeah yeah Um, no that makes perfect sense that's at least how ed views it all right what's this idea you let him go and you follow him and you see where he goes and maybe i go with you or maybe not but then you could just just follow him and and see what he's i don't know I mean, they're not going to be able to keep them forever anyways. And the elevator door opens up. And as you guys step out, you see these two people walk walk down the hall. And there's something that strikes your attention when they, when they pass. They both seem to have these weird scars on their face, similar to the scars that Abraham had. And they just continue to walk right past you. It's a man and a woman. One of them looks to be an older man. He has short brown hair that's kind of parted in the middle, and he wears a very old-fashioned brown suit. He also has a somewhat long beard. It's not like a big, long Santa Claus beard, 
but it's you know it's more than just like it's more than just like stubble it's it's a the kind of beard that you definitely get crumbs stuck in the person next to him is a woman she looks to be a little bit younger than the man she appears to be probably not too much older than you maybe like early 30s to 35 and she's a a blonde woman with very thin blonde hair that goes to about the shoulders and it's very straight she has like a very pale face with very gaunt features and she has this big scar down the side of her face and it looks very similar to the kind that Abraham had and the woman actually looks at you but they both just keep walking oh man interesting what's going on in my mind right now is like oh man this is clearly her his family i mean just given the scars and you said that like they're both basically the same scar that Abraham has, right? Like different placement, but same exact look, like uncanny, like weird. Like seeing three people on the same day with the same type of weird facial scar is like, you don't even have to think about it and it just stirs something weird up. It's just, you're like, that, that was odd. They pass you and you know that that was odd. You're like, that is, that was weird. Are they attempting to go into the elevator and go up to see Abraham? Do I get that sense? Actually, yeah. So if you're leaving the elevator, you they're entering as, and you guys like almost brush past each other as you, as like you exit the elevator and they enter. And we'll say that that's when you see it as they are starting to go up and you are now on the ground floor, just thinking about what the fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. So here's like, I'm all on board for like, okay, hey, let's get him out of there. But I'm concerned because if that police officer lets them visit Abraham, like that's, that's concerning. And I don't know if I should jump into that situation. So I'm all like, ah, I don't really know what to do, but I only have like a couple of minutes at the most to figure it out. What's the matter, Leah? Todd is just kind of looking at you. Those people that just passed us have, I think that's Abraham's family. And he very much does not want to see them or have anything to do with them. Why do you say that? A hunch. They just got here a little while ago. We can check out their car. We can. She looks a little bit surprised and she's like, well, that's actually a really good idea as she's thinking that. Let's go do that really quick. I don't know how long that they intend to be here. And you see Todd, he actually will bring you a little bit behind the front reception desk, like just a little bit past it. And then there's this little room that has a door. It almost looks like a janitor's closet. And he waits a couple seconds and then he knocks on the door and the door opens and you see there's like a security guard inside. And you see Todd, he just like starts rifling around in his pockets and he's just like, he just he just takes out a $20 bill and it's like all crumpled up and stuff. And he just passes it to this security guard. And it's this big overweight security guard. You see he's got this kind of like Humpty Dumpty shaped body. His middle part is just very large. And then it just kind of gets narrower towards the top like an egg. And he has kind of a smaller head and he's very bald. And he takes the $20 and he kind of just smiles at Todd, probably thinking something more inappropriate is going to happen. He's here with some lady or something, but he leaves. 
And you can see inside there's this camera room, a bunch of screens, and Todd just goes in and immediately starts working. He plays with the tape for about five to 10 minutes, rewinding, fast forwarding, not quite able to get it just right until he finally sees the old station wagon that the people got out of by viewing the parking lot cameras. That's it. Let's go. They're probably still up there. Okay. And yeah, she'll make a quick, because in her brain, like that adrenaline starting to pump now, like she, she got that fear in a flash from Abraham when he said that they're going to kill me. Like, so that just re-enters her mind as she's waiting for Todd to rewind and go through all of this. So as soon as he says, yeah, let's go. She's like, great. She'll open up the door trying to, in a very rushed sense, but still trying to like control herself a little bit. And But that her adrenaline's starting to get up and she'll make her way out the front doors. I don't know if Todd's going to end up following her. Oh yeah. He's following you with this sense of excitement. You can still see that crazed look in his face. You can still smell that faint pot smell that kind of lingers on his clothes. He kind of looks like that crazy guy that nobody would really trust. He's just like a disheveled janitor following this very professional looking woman. But the both of you rush out into this parking lot with a sense of purpose. And you make your way to this minivan parked quite a ways by itself. Not like in the way back in a corner or something, but in an area where there's no cars and the spaces next to it for quite a few spaces, maybe five spaces on each side. Okay. And as you guys walk through this open stretch of parking lot to approach the car, you feel your sense of adrenaline going up and you feel your heart pounding a little bit. As we're making our way there, I'll actually grab my cell phone out of my pocket and I want to take a quick photo of it and send it to Ed just because I'm sure we have some things that could help us with license plates and that sort of stuff. So I do that and then start to kind of investigate around the vehicle. I mean, there's there's not a lot of being discreet at this point. It's just, hey, let's get in, in and out as quick as possible. So as you are taking the pictures of the car from far enough away to get like the license plate and the outside enough so you can get like an actual photo of the car, you see Todd rushes ahead of you. And he actually just like goes ahead and he's just starting to like poke, poke his nose around, like looking into the windows and stuff. And he just stops. He just freezes and he starts to step back from the car. And he just has this look of mortal terror on his face and he just holds his knees and he just starts vomiting. Oh my God. What the fuck? And as you know, he's doing that, I get the picture real quick and I, I see him kind of collapse to his knees and I rush over and I'm like, hey, are you, like, what, what's going on? And at that point, like knowing that it was something in the vehicle. So she's like trying to steal herself doing that slow kind of like looking over into the bottom of the window and oh man, what do I see? You see it and it takes like a second of looking at it like Todd did to really figure out what it is. And it's so weird that you almost want to look at it for longer because it's just, what? You see in the backseat of this car what appears to be two human skins just sitting there like clothing 
just like uh like one piece pajamas that you could just wrap yourself up in and they're sewn together hideous looking a patchwork of different bodies different parts and you see these two horrible skin suits just thrown onto the back seat as if they were just a leather jacket todd is freaking out what the fuck is that he's crying he's throwing up he's still on his knees I'm going to need you to give me a sanity roll, please. Sounds good. So for sanity, am I rolling by max? Like, do I want to be under my maximum? Do I want to be under my current? How does this part work? You want to be under your current. Current. Okay. All right. So I got 32 out of 56, I believe. Okay. Yeah, 56. So take one D4 sanity loss. Because even though you passed, that's still, it still leaves a mark. Okay, so my current sanity has gone down to 54. And it's one of those, I, I'm i taking that time to really look at it. And I, the longer I'm looking at it, the more I'm realizing, oh shit, what's kind of going on. And she doesn't know what Abraham is or his family, but she knows she's like kind of pieced together the reason why Abraham doesn't look like Abraham anymore. And so she doesn't know what he is, but clearly it's something that can shift forms and or shift skins. So whoever he's wearing right now is probably dead. And like, and that's what, what starts to click in her brain is that, yeah, that car wreck happened and whatever's, you know, maybe whoever Abraham is on the inside was able to get out and put on a new skin and somehow like that helps him heal and whatnot, which would make sense for the, like, so there's, there's still some stuff that she's like clearly doesn't know about, but like a big chunk of the puzzle has just slid and clicked into place. And she still having her phone out. She's like taking a few, few more pictures as best she can. And she like quickly puts it away and she grabs Todd by the elbow, just like wrenching him up as best as he can. And she's like, we need to leave now. And she just like starts to rush off with him. You see Todd, he's kind of has this snot running down his nose. His eyes are completely watery. He's thrown up on his shirt a little bit and he's trying to get himself together. What the fuck was that? I need you to shut up. (sighs) Okay. You need to get yourself together. You need to clean yourself up and you need to act as if nothing happened. Do you understand? Okay, I got it. I got it. Go take your lunch break. Go do what you need to do. I will have Ed get back in contact with you, but you need to pull yourself together. And you see there's like, you know, he's he's trying to he's trying to stay tough in the situation, but he's he's crying. He feels very vulnerable that, you know, that you saw him that way too. Like you guys are both just walking together and he has this very confused look on his face and he's wiping the tears from his eyes and the snot from his nose and the, the vomit from, from his mouth and trying to, trying to get himself presentable again, trying to put that game face back on. But you can see he's having a lot of trouble. And Leia feels absolutely terrible that she kind of has to abandon him during this very significant part of his life like all of a sudden his world just changed and but she's got a mission that she she knows what she needs to do with these shape changers and it's not like going in 
guns blazing or anything. She knows that she's got to start following them because who knows if we lose contact with them now, if we'd ever be able to find these things again. So in a lot of ways, like who she is is being a very caring person about other people. She feels terrible having to abandon him, but she also has her sense of duty and just that that focused as she was driving here to this hospital, it's starting to become like pinprick focus now. And she's already moved on from dragging him into the hospital and in her brain, she's like already packing up all of her stuff, getting things in her vehicle and getting ready to go. So does Leah re-enter the hospital or do you just kind of begin your process of you're going to follow this vehicle that arrived instead? She will help Todd get to probably the front doors and seeing into it, it, assuming that she doesn't see those two people come back down, she will leave him there to go in and do what he needs to do to get settled. And then, uh, but if she does see them, like she would, she might like actually take him around back sort of thing and then go from there. Like she doesn't want it to be too obvious that, Hey, this person right here is very upset. They get to their car and realize, Oh, somebody threw up. Like, so she's trying to cover the tracks a little bit, but like, she's ready to just dump him at the front doors, assuming it looks okay for the moment. You're able to do that. Todd seems very uneasy, but recognizes what needs to be done and he separates from you. You just see him uh, walk off with his hands in his pocket, his head down, and he just disappears into the hospital. You see the activities of the hospital, things are kind of quieting down. It's about seven o'clock. Well, no, it's about five o'clock. All of this activity has taken most of the morning and most of the day, actually. And where are you like at this time? Would you have been watching for the people to leave or would you have gone back to the hotel or would you have um, gone into the hospital? I would have dumped him, kind of trying to keep my eyes as much on their vehicle as possible, but recognizing that, hey, I need to go do my stuff real quick so I can be ready to follow them because that's the objective. Like. It sucks that I'm not really going to be able to know what happens with Abraham, but if he honestly believed that they were going to kill him, there's not a ton that she can do about it right now. And the more important thing from her perspective is to figure out what's going on with the group, with their group as a whole. So she goes back to the Marriott, packs up her stuff, which, you know, she didn't bring a ton with her. She does a real quick checkout and gets back in her vehicle and tries to position herself in a way that she's maybe not parked at the hospital itself, but that she can see the parking lot. She can see their vehicle and she's just in stakeout mode at this point, waiting for them to come out and leave and go about their business. So you pack up everything at the hotel. You're basically a master of the five minute exit because you've been doing it for so long and you set your car up in a, nice discreet spot and you're basically in stakeout mode for about two two and a half hours you kind of let your guard down a little bit when all of a sudden you see the station wagon leave the hospital you're filled with this sense of urgency and adrenaline as you notice the two passengers of the car now seem to be donning the appearance of the skins that were in the back seat and she just has this cold dread that seeps from the center of her 
out to her extremities as she realizes what they're doing and just how disgusting it is. But it also, that cold dread fills her with that sense of purpose. And she will actually go ahead and give Ed a call just to check in and let him know what's happening and what's going on as she starts her car and gets ready to watch where they're going and follow them into the sunset. That's awesome. And I will end it there. Uh, Thanks everybody for watching. This has been Delta Green. Love the skin you're in. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.